stories, there are some that have stood the test of time. Stories that have shaped nations, inspired generations, and carried the weight of divine wisdom. From the creation of the world to the miracles that defy logic, these stories resonate with the eternal truths that guide us today. Within these ancient ages, we find hope in the face of adversity, strength in times of weakness, and redemption in the midst of brokenness. The Old Testament beckons us to explore the depths of our faith, challenging us to embrace our calling, just as those who came before us did. Good morning, Journey. How are you feeling today? Come on, 1045. All right. Hey, I am so honored to be able to kick this series off. Hey, can, uh, before we go any further, can you celebrate uh, our campus team, our production team, our worship team, our kids ministry? They do an incredible job serving you and your family. Can you celebrate them right now? Come on. They do such a great job every single week. It is 4th of July weekend, and they are here serving us. And uh, I'm so honored that you guys are here um, and you're a part of this. Again, I'm just honored to have the opportunity to kick this series off, Stories of Old. Um, our lead pastor, Mike Mazingo, is out for the next few weeks on sabbatical. So I'm excited for you to hear from some of our pastors during the month of July. And uh, it's going to be great. So let's do this. Let's pray. And then we will start this message. Um, God, we are so grateful. We are so thankful today, Father, for um, you. We're so thankful what happened in the first service. We're so thankful that the table is set. Uh, and in this moment, God, we want to hear from you. We want to hear from your word. We want to hear from the Old Testament. We want to learn from this story that we're going to hear today. We recognize that this is not our story. Uh, this is Abraham and Sarah's. But God, we're going to learn from that story. We're going to take something. We're going to apply it today. I pray for those online and in person, God, that they would take at least one big idea and apply it to their life. In your name we pray. Everyone said amen. So today's talk is for that person who feels like they've settled in life. Maybe you've been praying to God or you feel like God has promised you something big and you're believing that he would move in your life. Maybe you read the book, The Prayer of Jabez, and you pray that every single day. God, enlarge, enlarge my territory. Do only what you can do. Use me, God. Do a miracle that only you can do. And now you're just going through life and it seems like nothing spiritual is going down. Nothing good is happening. You feel like, hey, I'm just here. I've been praying, God, where are you? And now you're willing to settle for a consolation prize. Hey, God, I have prayed, but can you just do something? Can you do anything now? Because I'll take anything. Maybe you're a single lady in the room or watching online, and you have prayed for a man you have prayed for a spouse, and you believe God has promised you that, a six-foot-five, good-looking man. Woo! Loves old movies and long walks on the beach. Got, he has a great sense of humor. You know he's going to be a good dad, and he's a great kisser. And now five years later, nothing. God, just give me a man. Male, breathing. 
Job would be nice, but not necessary. Maybe you're a couple in here and you're married and early on in your marriage, you thought, man, we're going to be great parents. We're going to be great parents. We're going to read our kids stories from the Old Testament and we're going to teach them. We're going to teach them uh, about characters throughout the Bible. Parents are going to want to be just like that. We're going to have Pinterest parties. It's going to be incredible. We're going to take memory making trips. And now you have kids, and every single day you find yourself praying, God, help me not kill them today. <laughs> God, I know we're not supposed to negotiate with terrorists, but I got three of them living in my house. <laughs> One of y'all, y'all, the, the ones that are laughing know exactly how the others laughing feel. My kids are sweet. No, they're not. <laughs> But you've settled in life, you're willing to compromise now, and this message is for those who have lowered their expectations of what God will do in your life. You've lowered your expectations. Will God fulfill the promises that he has given to me long ago? And in the Old Testament, we're going to unpack a story about a couple Abraham and Sarah. And before we jump in, you're going to see in Scripture, Abram. Abram is Abraham. His name was changed by God. We're not going to jump into that part of Scripture today, but I wanted you to know we're talking about the same person. And they dreamed of having a child. Dreamed of having a child, but they could not conceive a child. And they wanted a child really, really bad. And if you've ever been in that position, maybe you've tried with your spouse and unsuccessful over and over and over. Uh, maybe you lost a child. You know exactly how they feel. In fact, me and my wife, we have three children and my son, the last one that we had was a blessing is what people tell me, is a blessing, a surprise, but a blessing. Uh, but the first two children took us years to conceive. We went to doctor's appointments and I watched my wife give blood and uh, take medicine. And we went through different classes and hey, nothing worked. And I could see the pain on her face because all of her friends around her are having children. And we're going to baby showers. Why not me? Why not us, God? We're doing everything right. We're going to the doctors. What? What gives? You said be fruitful and multiply. We're trying to do that, but you won't give us a child. So why? Where are you, God? And so I'm sure that Sarah may have felt the same way. Hey, where are you, God? Where are you? We want a child. We want kids, but nothing's happening. Where are you? And in Genesis chapter 12, God speaks to Abraham and challenges him to take a massive step of faith, he and Sarah. And this is what it says in Genesis chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. Let's remember that. Okay, because we're going to come back to that. I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt, and all the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram, 
I want you to take your wife and I want you to go to a land that I'm going to tell you about. And when you do that, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make you into a nation. You're going to be a blessing to other people. You're going to impact the earth. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear that, and probably the same for Abram and Sarah, hey, that's it. That's the promise. He's going to give us a child, right? You can't have a nation without a child. You got to start with the child. You got to start with conception. So that's it. And God, when he makes a promise, he keeps his promise. Abraham, this is it. And so they pack up and they go to the land that God shows them. And I don't know what Sarah does. Maybe she gets really excited. She starts to think about names for the baby. She reads the book, What to Expect When You're Expecting. She plans her Instagram gender reveal. Because that's a big thing now. I don't know. But the first month, and then the second month, and then the third month passes, and nothing. That's okay. It happens. It's okay. We've waited this long. We can wait three months. And then month four, and month five, and month six, seven, eight, nothing. Nine, ten, eleven, a year, nothing. Where are you, God? You made a promise. It's a year later. We've got nothing to show for it. Then you fast forward all the way to Genesis chapter 15. This is where we find Abram. And the, that chapter begins some time later. Now, we don't know what some time later is, but just doing the math, we believe that it was a decade or more from chapter 12 to chapter 15. From the moment God made a promise to Abram and Sarah, and a decade later, decade later, they got nothing to show for it. 10 years or more. Hey, I'm gonna make you into a great nation, and a decade later, nothing. So this is where we find them in Genesis chapter 15. It says, sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and I will, and your reward will be great. Verse 2, if you ever ask, can I question God? Abram does. He asks him the question. He boldly approached the throne. He said, God, what gives? He says, oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all of your blessings when I don't even have a son? That's great, you're gonna protect me. That's great, I just got back from war. I'm in a tent and we're talking right now. Abram's in this tent and he is talking to God in a vision. And he says, that's great if you're gonna bless me and reward me, but we're good of all of these possessions if I don't even have a son to give it to. When I die, what does it matter? You can almost read the frustration in his voice through the text. A decade of unfulfilled promises, every month that passed is another month of disappointment. 120 months of nothing. Where are you, God? And maybe you have your own version of this. Maybe for you, at the beginning of the year, you felt like in your prayer time that God spoke to you and said, hey, it's time to get your finances in order. 
Get your family in order because I got something exciting planned for you. I need you to, I need you to start doing your part. And say, okay, I'm going to get my finances in order. We're going to start paying things off. We're going to start saving. God's going to move in our life. We know we're supposed to be smart with our money anyhow. And then halfway through the year, the AC at the house breaks and it costs $13,000 to fix it. And you know it's going to break in August in Alabama. Maybe you've been praying for your dad to come to Christ. And you pray and you pray and you invite him to church. And you speak scripture over him. And yet he is meaner than ever and further from God than he has ever been. Where are you? God. Did I get this wrong? I feel like I'm doing what you called me to do. Did I, did you forget about me? Do you not hear anything? Do you see anything that's going on in my life? And from Abram's point of view, nothing is happening. There was a promise and then a decade of nothing. And then what does Abram do? He lowers his expectations of God's promises. See, God promised a nation I'll just take a son at this point. I'll take anything. Just give me a child. I cannot bear to see my wife go through this hurt anymore. Just give me a child. Where are you? He lowered his expectations. Abram, Sarah wanted a son. Decade passes, nothing happens. And I don't know what you're praying for. I don't know what you're praying for. Maybe you're praying for your spouse that you go home to every single day that won't go to church with you, that won't read the Bible, that won't pray with you, that don't know Christ, and you pray every day, God, God, I pray that they would come to know your son, Jesus. Maybe you've been praying for a new job and it's not happening. Maybe you've been praying for your child that's walked away from God. Hey, bring them back, Father. Put me in a position where I can speak into my child's life. Maybe you or a family member have a sickness and you are praying, would you please heal me of this? Right now, heal me of this. And nothing is happening and you're beginning to give up. Here's what I want you to know this morning. That just because you don't see anything doesn't mean God's not doing something. Just because you don't see anything doesn't mean God isn't doing something. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean he's not doing it. Listen to me, church. When you plant a seed in the ground, it may not bear fruit for a while, but you don't know what's happening under the ground. So just because you don't see Anything happening doesn't mean God's not doing something. And listen, I, I saw this incredible example a few times over my lifetime in ministry, but more recently I saw it from Chris Hodge uh, at Church of the Highlands. Our staff went to a GROW conference last year. I wish I would have come up with this example because it's just incredible. But there is a national park in California called Death Valley National Park. And 99% of the time, it is Death Valley. Nothing grows there. It is dead. It is dormant. Nothing 
lives there. Nothing grows there. It's nasty. Even scientists said, hey, there's no way that anything's going to grow in this land. It's too acidic. There's too many problems with Death Valley. And then in 1996, something incredible happened. So this is what it looks like all the time. This is what it looks like all the time. This is Death Valley 99% of the time in California. And then in 1996, something incredible happened. A super bloom. The wildflower super bloom happened in 1996. And this was one of the scientists that spoke about this abnormal happening. It says that the wildflower super bloom is a rare event for Death Valley that only occurs when the conditions are perfect. So I don't know what you've been praying for and nothing's happening the way you want it to in your timing. Maybe God's trying to tell you your timing's not my timing because my timing is perfect. My timing is not your timing. My timing is perfect. And so I need you to trust and have faith that I know better than you. And in this season of loneliness and pain, and I don't know what to do, maybe God's growing and stretching your faith. Maybe in this season, he's getting you ready. So when he does answer that promise and he does fulfill it and does answer your prayer, you know who did it and who to praise for it. Maybe he's building a testimony for you that you will impact people around you for the kingdom. Just because you don't see God working doesn't mean he's not working on your behalf. And so Abraham... Abram had the same problem that we have. Limited perspective. Limited perspective. Remember, I said he's in a tent and he's talking to God. I don't see anything, O sovereign Lord. I don't see you doing anything. And so he's in a tent. And here's Abram telling God, I don't see you working. It's been 10 years. It's been a decade. It's been longer. You promised us a baby. What gives? And maybe you know exactly how he feels. Hey, you know what? I am 33 and not married yet. This is ridiculous, God. I know there is a spouse out there for me, but I do not see any prospects. Have you seen the world? I know that I am buried in debt, and God, I know that I probably put myself there, but I am ready to get out of this. I am, I am committed to getting out of this and being faithful in my giving and my tithing and the way that I spend my money and how I take care of my family. But I got to be honest with you, I don't see a way out. Hey, God, I have been sick for a very long time, and uh, I just got a report back from the doctor, and it is not good. I do not see you. Where are you? You're not doing what I wanted. The way I want it. When I want it. God, where are you? And here's what we have to understand today. That if God met all of our expectations, he'd never have a chance to exceed them. 
if he did what we wanted, it would probably be a disaster. If, we, if he did exactly what we wanted in the time that we wanted it, we may forget who did it for us. He has a plan. And in our limited perspective, sometimes we cannot see that. And if God met all of our expectations, when we wanted him, how we wanted him, dressed the way we wanted him, he'd never have an opportunity or a chance to exceed them. And so here is Abram, and he's in this tent. And he's telling God, "Here's I don't see you. And the Bible says that God takes Abram outside to look at the stars. I would have loved to see what that looked like. Here's Abram. It's like this dad and son moment. Here's Abram. I don't see it. It's 10 years. Oh, sovereign Lord, what good are the blessings that you give me if I don't have a son to give them to? It's been a decade, God. And it's almost like a dad responding, right? God, Abram, get, get, your, get outside. And the Lord meets Abram in his limited perspective. And he takes him outside. And it's almost like God is saying, Abram, I need you to get out of your tent, out of your box, out of your limited perspective and recognize that my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not like your thoughts. I have a plan and I need you to trust me. And this is what he says in Genesis 15. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. I made a promise to you. In scripture, it calls him the father of many nations. You'll have descendants that you can't even count. I promise you, I will bless you. I will come through in my promises to you. In verse 6, and Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Abram, you're thinking of your son, but I'm also thinking of a nation. Here's what's incredible about this verse. If you are a follower of Christ, and you have put down your life, and you have picked up that cross, that banner that says, I'm a follower of Jesus, then you are a seed of Abraham in Galatians 3, 29. It says, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. You see, Abram's thinking of his son, but God is thinking of you and me. You're thinking limited here, Abram. I got a plan for the world, and you just need to trust me. And then in verse 6, it said, Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. That's pretty incredible. It wasn't his actions that made Abram right with God. It was his belief that made him right with God. It was Abram believing and trusting that God would do and would deliver on his promises even though he doesn't see anything happening. It wasn't his good works. It wasn't an accident. It was him just believing and trusting in you. I'm no longer going to have anxiety about this. I'm believing and trusting in you. 
and God made him right. Just because we don't see anything happening doesn't mean God's not working on our behalf. And you may be thinking today, I just don't have a lot of faith left. I have been through a lot. I've been through a lot in a short amount of time, Tony. How much more faith do I need? What do I got to do? In Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus, the Son of God, answers this question for all of us. He says, you don't have enough faith. I tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. But unfortunately, a lot of times we get inside our limited perspective and we see what's right in front of us and the enemy goes, well, this is it, you're all alone. And we believe that garbage. And God is saying, no, 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 if you'll just trust in me and have faith the size of a mustard seed, nothing could be impossible. Just trust me, believe in me that I want what's best for you. Now listen to me, when you pray and you feel like God's given you a promise, you need to recognize that he may not answer it the way that you want it answered, and it may not come packaged when, how you want it packaged, but if God gave you a promise, you can take it to the bank, that he will deliver on his promises. Because our God is a God of miracles, a God of breakthrough, a God of salvation. He is a faithful God, and he can do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever imagine. That's the God that we serve. And we have to put our faith into work in our life. God, I trust you. I don't see it, I don't understand it, but I trust you, something is being built here. I just know it. And you may be asking the question, did God deliver on his promise? We started this talk in Genesis chapter 12. We fast forward to Genesis chapter 15. And now we find ourselves in Genesis chapter 21. Abraham and Sarah, Abram is 100, Sarah is 90. And still no baby. The first verse of chapter 21 starts like this. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised, what he said he would do. She became became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. Last part of this verse is my favorite because it's life-altering if we will accept it and apply it to our life. This happened at just the time God said it would. 
not Abraham, not Sarah. When he said it would happen, it happened. Fast forward 42 generations from that moment, there's a baby born in Bethlehem, Jesus. In the New Testament, the first book of the New Testament, the first chapter, the first verse, it says this. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Jesus arrived through the lineage of Abraham. Abraham was thinking of a son. But God was also thinking of his son. Abram, I know that I made you a promise. I will fulfill that promise, but I got to do it in my timing because my timing is perfect. I know that I made you a promise, but I also made the world a promise that I would give my son for their sins. And so this has got to happen the way that I want it to happen. And so I cannot meet your expectations. I've got to exceed them. I want you to walk away with today knowing that our God is faithful. And just because you don't see something working doesn't mean he's not working on your behalf. And I don't want you to leave this place thinking this is some prosperity gospel. That's not what we do here. That if I pray for it, it's going to happen. What you're praying for needs to be in the will of God. So if you go pray some prayer and it doesn't happen, maybe that's God saying that's not my will for you. Maybe you will pray a prayer and you'll never, you won't be alive to see it come to fruition. But just because you don't see God doing anything doesn't mean he's not doing something. He is working. And he was thinking about you and me all the way back in the beginning. Abraham, I, I know I made a promise to you, but I made a promise that I'm gonna send a savior to the world, my son. And so he's gotta, this gotta happen the way that I want it because he's gonna live and he's gonna die on a cross and he's gonna be buried and he's gonna be resurrected. That's my son. And so if anybody comes to accept him as their savior, they'll have new life and a way to me. He will bridge the gap between mankind and me. I have a plan, Abraham. You just have to trust me. And that's where our relationship with God sometimes gets fractured because we just don't trust him. I know better. No, we don't. He knows what's best. And it's not gonna be easy, but my goodness, is it worth it to trust in the Father that thought about you before you had breath, that has been planning things for you long ago. Just because we don't see him working doesn't mean he's not doing something. With your head bowed and your eyes closed. 
God, I'm so thankful for what has taken place in this moment over two services. And so I'm thankful, God, for you. I'm so grateful, Father, that you've thought about us throughout Scripture. I'm so grateful that every story in the Old Testament and New Testament is woven together and it points to your son, Jesus, who came to this earth, lived a blameless life. He was the spotless lamb. Then he was put on a cross for my sins and our sins. He bared the weight of the world and he bled out and died for us. God, I see your faithfulness there. And God, it is our turn to show that we want to be faithful to you. And we know it's going to be hard and we know that it can be a struggle, but I believe, God, that you have made me a new creation in you. And the old me, that's not me anymore. I have a new mind and a new mindset. And so, God, I know that I'm leaving this place. I know that you're faithful. And I know that your son wants a relationship with me. Because that's the only way that I get to you, God. If you're watching online, if you're in the room, hey, we want to address this moment that if you don't know Christ... If you never accepted him as your savior, I don't know, maybe you did it when you were three and you don't really know what you did and you haven't lived a changed life. You go, I really need to make sure that I've accepted Jesus. If that's you, listen, we just want to acknowledge that right now. Wherever you are, you can type it in the chat. You can send us a text in just a few moments. Or in this room right now, you can raise your hand. If that's you, can you just raise your hand? Just go, hey, I, I, I want to I accept Jesus. I want him to be my Savior. I know he's been faithful, and I have went a long time without him. But I don't want to go any further. Because I know he's been thinking about me since the beginning. Is there anyone in the room? God, I thank you again for what has taken place in this room. I pray as we leave this place, God, that we would take something from your word that we heard today, your words, God, and apply it to our life and recognize that we worship a faithful God, that we should be excited about what you are doing even though we do not see it, God. We are believing and trusting in you. We recognize that's what makes us right with you. We believe and trust in you in all parts of our life. That's what we want, God. Again, thank you for your words. And I pray, God, that it empowers us to leave this place and also share the gospel with those around us, knowing that you are faithful in those moments. In your name we pray.